I'm nicotine. I'm coming clean. I fooled the crowd when I made it sound like I was more than ready. Here we are. Hi. Episode two of When You Were Young, <laughs> the social distancing edition. Oh no. Um, we are here day six of our self-isolation. Yes. Social distancing experience. Yes, that's right. Um, I would say it's going as well as it could be. Yeah, I think it's going well. We're, you know, getting outside for a breath of fresh air every now and then and we have lots of food, lots of snacks. Yeah. So we're doing okay. Just, you know, hoping that hopefully COVID-19 is not going to be as devastating as it has been in other places, but yes. who knows? Yeah, this is obviously not a podcast about global pandemics, but no. um, felt right to at least acknowledge. acknowledge that we are in the midst of it right now. Yes. And if you are, then hang in there. Yeah. Hopefully when this comes out, we'll know more. Yeah. But until then... We are going to record a podcast, and uh, I am Dan Connolly, for those of you who are uh, tuning in for the first time, and you are? I'm Chelsea Wall. I'm married to you. Yes, you are. <laughs> Happily. Voluntarily. <laughs> um, and yeah, so this episode, uh, the first episode, if you did not listen, was uh, Chelsea interviewing me about my childhood experience, high school, where I'm from, and we will sort of do the same type of thing, but uh, this time we'll... Turn the tables and I will be the interviewer. So let's start. Okay. Chelsea Wall. Yes. Where are you from? I am from outside of Rochester, New York. I grew up primarily in a town called Fairport, New York. So I was born in the city of Rochester and lived there with my mom and dad for a few years until they moved out to the suburbs. Quick question, maybe from the top, that could be wise to ask. Yeah. Upstate New York, Western New York. Yeah. New York State. What do you call it? I think it's safe if you're if you're outside of New York generally to say upstate New York and it's sufficiently it'll cover you know everything from like the Adirondacks to Rochester to Utica Syracuse all that but I mean in, if I'm in New York State I would say Western New York right um, because you know people who live in New York City consider Westchester to be upstate New York and that is a, a basically a different universe from Rochester I would imagine your people don't really like that well, uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I remember distinctly like traveling to other states when I was younger and telling them I was from New York, and they'd be like, wow, from the big city. Uh, and it was very frustrating to inform them that I was from a state that was like absolutely enormous, that right. you could drive across the country of Germany quicker than you could get from New York City to where I live. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's true. I don't want to fact okay. check it right now. But the point is that like upstate New York is enormous. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it was just frustrating to have it painted with a broad brush like that. Um, yeah. But also, you know, we're pretty, I would say upstaters are pretty easygoing folks. We're like, whatever, you know. Yeah. And so, speaking about upstate New Yorkers and mm-hmm. speaking about Fairport, New York, <laughs> I went on the Village of Fairport's website, <laughs> and I knew this phrase, but I find this interesting for listeners, that mm-hmm. Fairport, New York is called the crown jewel of the Erie Canal. <laughs> Yes, it is. Can you elaborate on that and your experience Um, with what it being a crown jewel? Sure. So I'm not sure that was like um, democratically decided on. I think that some, I don't know who decided that term, but um, I will say that Fairport 
like a lot of towns outside of Rochester, is on the Erie Canal. The Erie Canal is very famous where I'm from. I'm not sure if it's famous everywhere, but it was one of the first major like trading routes in the like, you know, what was the United States in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And uh, yeah, so Fairport was on the canal, which meant it was on a major route of trade. So it was a really thriving uh, town early in its creation. And now the canal is more like, you know, for fun. Basically, mm-hmm. people will boat on it. Or um, there's this thing called the Colonial Bell, which is like a dinner cruise type little like boat that you can like pay to have dinner on the Colonial Bell. And it goes under all these bridges and down the canal and all through the towns. It's very cute. Um, so but basically, a... it just means that there is this canal that goes through the middle of the village. And it's really cute. Um, we had a lot of jokes about it growing up, though. Like... Uh, I don't know why we ever talked about this, but I remember in elementary school, kids would say that if you jumped off like a bridge into the canal, your feet would land in like the carcass of a cow that was at the bottom. So wow, that really discouraged us from getting in the canal. A cow? Uh-huh. Oh, and then in grade school, there was this huge expose in the local paper. Like somebody pulled like a three-eyed fish out of the canal. That's it a was... Simpsons episode. Yeah, no, it happened. Wow. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have three eyes. Maybe that's where I'm getting that. But it was like kind of a... Mangled? It was like a piranha. It had yeah. teeth. And everybody was very troubled by that. So so the canal is kind of a mysterious... It's a place of lore. It's murky. I can confirm that. You don't want to get in it. Yeah. Like you look at it and you're like, no thanks. Okay. Um, but it is quite lovely and like very idyllic. Like Fairport is a very idyllic town. That's how I would describe it. It's very small town... Um, Americana. There even is a thing called Canal Days. Yes, that's right. Which... There's a Canal Days in a lot of towns, though, because the canal goes through so many. Okay. So, like, there's a Palmyra Canal Town Days. That's where my grandparents live. Um, there's a Fairport Canal Town Days. And it's usually just, you know... I don't know. I remember it as a kid, like, you wanted to get dropped off at Canal Days. So you could buy lemonade and, mm-hmm. um, like, make friendship bracelets and make a... Ooh, make a sand art. Remember sand sure. art? Yeah. Yeah, different colors. Ooh, hand wax. Like, you yeah. know, you'd make, like, a hand sculpture. Yeah. yeah. That was Canal Days. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk about Rochester and being from the suburbs, but also, sure. like, I just want to talk about that general area of Rochester. Yeah. Talk to me and... Tell the people listening that don't know about the garbage plate. Okay, so a garbage plate is, um, I would describe it as drunk food. But it's, it's also like Rochester's. Yeah, meal. yeah. If you've heard of Rochester, you've probably heard of a garbage plate. It's like when I talk to people who know what the place is, but maybe have never been, that's what they always say. They always say like, oh, garbage plates. Um, so it's a food thing. And mm-hmm. um, a garbage plate is uh, a like basically... A bed of macaroni salad, like a mayonnaise-based mm-hmm. pasta salad, home fries, and when I say home fries, I mean like the little little cubes of potatoes, yeah. basically. And a classic garbage plate is, you know, those two things topped with two hamburger patties with cheese, and then uh, you can kind of do what you want to after that. But the what I consider to be the classic garbage plate combination is um, ketchup and mustard and hot sauce. And the garbage plate hot sauce is not like sriracha. It's like a meat sauce mm-hmm. in like a spicy broth. So yeah. it's like not liquid. It's like more meat. Okay. So it's meat on meat on fried stuff and mayonnaise. You and I mm-hmm. are not calorie counters by any stretch. No. I've looked up the calorie <laughs> count for this. 
it is it's something to be <laughs> yeah well that was a big part of the high school experience was going to have garbage plates you call them plates yeah we go get plates yeah and so rochester would i you know and i yeah i'm my... a little troubled that you brought up rochester and then you went right for the garbage plate because we're you know i'm trying to rehabilitate the image of <laughs> that <scene. laughs> yeah well I can tell you that I, when I first visited Rochester, mm-hmm. I adore the place. Mm. Um, it's a place that is special to us. Yes. It's a place that's interesting because I grew up in New Jersey, and especially North Jersey, which is so close to the New York State border, but I couldn't be farther away from where you grew up mm-hmm. in like that part of New York. And so many people that I grew up with knew New York State as far as like the Catskills and the mm-hmm. Hudson Valley and... Lake George and like the Adirondacks, like that corridor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, Rochester could have been, and it could have been Cleveland, Ohio. And in right. a way, it, it kind of it, 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 it yeah. kind of is. Mm-hmm. There is a Rust Belt quality to Rochester sure. because it's related to a Great Lake. Lake Ontario yeah. literally sits at the end of the city. It is part of the city in a That's lot right. of ways. Yeah. The harsh winters and all that comes with it. And yeah. I find, I just find that city... I, when I, you know, we started dating and I would go there with you, I just found it kind of lovely and that mm-hmm. it's sort of like the Midwest, except it's technically a Northeast city. Yeah, it has both for sure. Um, yeah. And it has, you know, it's like you said, definitely geographically kind of like a lot of those Midwest cities in the sense of the lake, but it's also ge- um, economically like those cities because it, you know, like many other large cities lost large sectors of its economy that made it wealthy um rochester had a so xerox and kodak were both founded in rochester Uh, so was bausch and lomb and no one ever talks about bausch and lomb and i think they're actually still they all still have offices there but they don't have the same workforce um but like an experience that i have had and a lot of people i know have had is like at one point every like adult man in my family worked at kodak or xerox uh now none of them do subsequently got laid off yeah um and like kodak is like a like they teach it in business school as far as like the major uh business blunders that you can make kodak Mm. developed digital uh photography technology but decided to bury it um and that technology was simultaneously developed abroad in japan and obviously fujifilm that was the i'm pretty sure yeah MBAs check me in the comments, but um, I'm pretty sure that Fujifilm was the company that developed it. Uh, and obviously they did the sensible capitalist thing and they, you know, exploded it. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically Kodak was afraid to do what Apple does, which is called planned obsolescence. The reason that uh, Kodak buried it was because they were like, well, if we develop digital, it will, it'll, it'll bury our, you know, print um, technology. But obviously digital was coming whether they liked it right. or not. So it, you know, eventually crushed them. So, uh, it, that's a sad story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but it's also kind of funny because be, because Rochester had Kodak and Xerox, it had this reputation in upstate New York for being like a really snobby city. Like basically like Sy- Syracuse and Buffalo and Albany, they had a lot more like, the true Rust Belt blue collar yeah. industries. Yeah. Whereas Rochester had these more white collar industries. Um, so when Rochester fell, it really fell. But as a result, it has a strong sort of like technology history. Yeah, um, there's a backbone to it. Yeah, it's very interesting. So mm-hmm. it's like slightly different from like, you know, something like a steel town, you know. Right, um, right. And can you in like 30 seconds or less talk about, like, I just want to talk about the Rochester accent. <laughs> okay. And what you believe it to be. Sure. So I don't really, 
I can bring it out. I don't really have it. You don't. Um, as much. When I was younger, I think I had it. Um, it's it's more about hard vowels and um, kind of like a slight nasal tone. Um, so things like the word like bad, sad, mm-hmm. dad. Um, Rochester. Rochester. But you always do it a little too hard. I do. You overdo it's it. It's a little Minnesota <laughs> you every do, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't help um, it. I, like my cousin went to a school called Brockport. 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 I can really turn it up if I have to, but yeah. Yeah, and it's indicative of like the, the, the where it lies. It's like mm-hmm. not really the Midwest. It's not really a, like a Midwestern accent, but it's you're it's close. Mm-hmm. It's it is. Close. It's close. So growing up in Fairport, yeah. your kind of early childhood experience of that town, mm-hmm. your relationship with it. So I was... I mean, and I, I feel safe saying this at the, you know, relatively at the start, that I was something of an indoor kid. So I didn't have quite the freewheeling childhood that you had. Like, I wasn't playing around in other people's backyards. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, um, I knew like a few neighbors. But uh, I, I wouldn't say that I had a super strong relationship to Fairport itself. Probably not until I was a little bit older. And part of that is because my parents are divorced, so I was splitting my time between my dad's house in Pittsburgh and my mom's house in Fairport. And Pittsburgh was uh, just one town over from Fairport. It is also a suburb of Rochester. The canal also runs through Pittsburgh, so a lot of sort of structural similarities. Right. The big difference between Pittsburgh and Fairport is that Pittsburgh is wealthier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I, that didn't impact me at a young age, because at a young age it was just like, you know, one little town to the next little town. They were pretty similar. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they were good places to grow up, you know. Like, like Halloween trick-or-treating was a good time, and I think that's a good sort of um, reflection of what a town is like. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, if we're talking about, like, if I could recall the previous episode, which, like, talking about Haskell, mm-hmm. and I said this, and I said, like, the town is nothing to write home about. Fairport is actually aesthetically a pretty town. It is pretty. There are beautiful homes. Not... Yes. not they're not ostentatious. Right. Yes. But there's just like old Victorian beautiful homes. It's a lovely um, like downtown. Area. Yeah, there's a it's downtown with bars, restaurants, little brewery shops. Yeah. I understand like now that I am in my late 20s like why my mom picked that town. Like it's sure. it's just a great town to raise kids in. Yeah. Um and I guess like it's true of a lot of kids that like you don't know how nice your town is, you know right. what I mean? You don't know you don't know what to compare it to. So yeah. I would say it, it didn't mean much to me growing up, but that's because I didn't know any different. Right. Whereas now I can look back and say like, yeah, that was a really nice place to grow up. And yeah. like good schools, good schools in both towns. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And just a tidbit, Philip Seymour Hoffman is from Fairport. Which <laughs> that's is... correct. That's, what, that's my high school's big claim to fame is that Philip Seymour Hoffman graduated from yeah. high school. His career and life had almost no relationship to being from Fairport, but it's still yeah. kind of cool. Let's talk about early childhood friends. Okay. And you're like, can you name them? Sure. And what you did or any experiences that you had with them that are worth noting here. Yeah. So I had kind of like, um, it was almost like I was a serial monogamist, but with friends. Mm. (laughs) Like I would have like one best friend for a few years and there'd be a different best friend for a few years. That happened up until probably middle school. Um, The first like really good friend that I remember being a friend, her name was Taryn. And I think we met in gymnastics class, I want to say. 
Um, and we've, we've been married for five years. I've never heard this name <laughs> in my life. Well, she has, you know. Uh, Sorry, we've been together for five years. We've been married, married for one. Married for like, yeah, yeah one. Um, no, she's not in my life anymore. Uh, we're Facebook friends, but we don't like, we haven't oh, spoken okay. in years. Um, yeah, we met in gymnastics class. But when I say we met, I mean our mothers realized yes. that we could be friends. Because uh, I think we must have been like five or six. Okay. But I have very fond memories of sleepovers at Taryn's house. Um, her mom always made cream of wheat in the morning, and that was, for some reason, special to me. <laughs> wow. Easy um, to please. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's true of me as a child, for sure. And also, like, Taryn did things like, Taryn did horseback riding, so I did horseback riding. I did not like it, but I did it because Taryn did it. Yeah. Um, and our friendship fizzled a little bit because we went to different school districts. So okay. um, it was, that was a really young childhood friendship. As soon as I started, um, like, grade school, I met Amanda Zeiser, and she was my best friend for basically all of elementary school into middle school, and we're still friendly, actually. We'll still text every now and then. We're just not as close as we used to be. Right. Um, she and I met in the, <laughs> we were in the same, like, before and after school program, like a wraparound program, mm-hmm. and, like, we met because we had, like, the same Lion King underwear. Wow. <laughs> like, we were in the bathroom, and, like, you know, little girls, they yeah. just, like, We'll just talk to each other about right. anything. Um, yeah, so we really bonded over, like, Beanie Babies, um, like, Playground, Tag. Yeah. Um, just the classics, you know. Did you have a Tamagotchi? Oh, yeah, I had a Tamagotchi. Okay, mm-hmm. me too. I just wanted to ask that question because I was curious. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I was too attached to it, but I definitely had it. And I definitely tried to, you know, do my best to keep it alive. Yeah. Yeah. Amidst, you know, imagine a global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I mean. I, well, growing up in the 90s, like, life really was pretty good good i mean it was quiet you know what i mean politically culturally sure it was a like a boom time for the u.s so as a result my childhood was like tamagotchis and bubble chairs yeah (laughs) that's what was happening so those were your those were your initial early childhood those are my early early friends yeah okay uh let's talk about like your activities that you did because i know your childhood a little bit i know it being a little bit different than uh, than my experience yeah yeah so I had two working parents who were divorced. So a lot of my childhood was um, sort of being taken places. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be like I'd be at my mom's for a few days, and then I'd go to my dad's for a night, and then I'd go to my mom's. You know, there was a lot of transportation. I was in the car a lot, um, and my mom had a pretty demanding job for most of my growing up. Um, so uh, she worked for an orchestra. So often, like on Friday nights, it would be like after school, we'd go back downtown um, because she had to work a concert and I would just kind of hang out. So I didn't have, I didn't have like real, that's not true. Um, My main activities were musical because my parents are both musicians. Mm -hmm. So I was put in piano lessons when I was like five. Okay. And then I started to play the cello when I was... Mm, I want to say seven or eight. Yeah. And that, I mean, we have a cello in our apartment. We do. Where we, we have are a cello right in the home. Yeah, I played the cello for like, um, yeah, over a decade, 15 years. Yeah. Seriously. Now I still, you know, I pick it up every now and then. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned that both your parents are musicians. Mm-hmm. Can you talk more about that? Sure. So um, my mom grew up playing the flute. And she also did ballet, so she had kind of like, from a few different directions, um, like art and music were important to her growing up. And um, she is a singer. So she sang in high school and she got a bachelor's degree in vocal performance. 
and she's just been singing my whole life. Um, right. I remember growing up, going to church on Sundays. My mom would always be warming up in the car because she was the like she was the main singer in the church choir, the cantor, if mm. you will. Um, yeah, she has a beautiful voice. So she's a singer. That's what her background is in, um, and she's always worked kind of related to music and the arts. Yeah, so that's her background. And then my dad grew up playing the trumpet. And my dad also, growing up, worked as a like newspaper delivery boy. Mm-hmm. And he got into like multiple sort of horrible bike accidents growing up because he was always, you know, tearing around recklessly on his bike delivering newspapers. And in one accident, he, um, among other injuries, he split his lip. And if you get a lip injury and you play a woodwind or brass instrument like you can't play anymore it's kind of over mm-hmm. during one of his like injury recovery periods he picked up the guitar and that was like kind of it um he just like became utterly obsessed with it um he and my uncles his two brothers had a small band growing up their best song was called et took a p they will sing it for you if you ask. Never known. I did not know this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, next time we'll have them sing it for you. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's refined. And yeah, so he played the guitar, but he also uh, was into like theater. And so he did, uh, so was my mom. They both uh, went to the same college and did like musical theater productions together. Mm-hmm. They met in college. And, but yeah, but my dad also played in bands pretty much like his whole life. Yeah. He was in a pretty big one. Well, he was in a, I'm not going to say it was like big, but it's pretty cool. He was in a band called The Bridge. Um, and you can, I think, watch one of their YouTube videos on YouTube. We watched it, yeah. Yeah, uh, Departure Song. It's great. Um, but there were lots of bands. <clears throat> I mean, he, there was also a cover band called, uh, oh God, what is it called? Johnny, Johnny Bravo, Johnny Danger, hmm. something like that. Your dad has mentioned, like, when they played at CBGB before. Yeah. That they opened for a band that, like, they were like, this band is going to be yeah pretty darn good. And three months later, yeah. that band signed and it was live. Mm-hmm. Lightning Crashes and, like, other 90s songs, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, they got to play at CBGB, which was a really big deal. Um, it's a famous rock club that has since closed in New York City. But, um, yeah, so that band, that was The Bridge, and that was pretty successful. So, uh... As, you know, time went on, his degree and his, like, educational background was in music, but it was also in music education. Mm-hmm. So he kind of pivoted his music. Like, he kind of realized he hit a point where, like, he could be a professional gigging musician. Um, and he had lots of, like, cool gigs. Like, one time he was, like, a session guitarist for Eddie Money when he right. was on tour. So he right. would get, like, called up to play just on tours and stuff in the in upstate New York. But, yeah, he realized that it was kind of, I mean, a lot of it, I think, was raising me and being and knowing he wanted to like continue having a family. So mm-hmm. he made the decision to pivot his, you know, his vision to teaching. So he's a music teacher. Um, he teaches middle school and he also teaches guitar. And he's been teaching guitar my whole upbringing, like my whole life. Ten year old boys have been coming to my house and playing horrible renditions of Hotel California. Yeah, I can like perfectly give you the the riff from hotel california i'm not gonna do it yeah but it's just like that has been part of my life my whole life when we go visit them like the doorbell will ring we're like who is that and it's like oh it's timmy Uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) and 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 everybody's like oh it's timmy you know like you know which are the good students and which are the bad students um and whose mom stays way too long talking in the doorway very Mm -hmm. irritating 
Um, yeah. And, you know, he plays a lot of other instruments, too. He's just kind of a musical brain. Yeah. Um, so it was just sort of everywhere. Um, and not only did I play, like, the instruments that I was taking lessons for, I also played the guitar. You know, my dad claims he never taught me anything. I think I just learned through osmosis. Like, I just... There were guitars in the house my whole life, so I yeah. just kind of picked him up mm-hmm. and that's how I play and so every once in a while I ask him like hey is this a what's the you know what's a G7 or like something like that but um yeah he never like taught me anything it's just kind of been around right so, yeah so that so the main thing was I was being like the activities that I was doing is I was being taken to like music lessons right but I didn't you know I wasn't playing outside really not a lot and like I said just my my family had a schedule, you know, right. like there was like days where I was in one place, days where I was in another. So I didn't have a lot of autonomy over mm-hmm. my free time. Mm-hmm. And so when I did have free time, all I wanted to do in the entire world was sit in my room and read, uh, or later on in my childhood, play video games and listen to music. Okay. But like reading was pretty much reading and watching Nickelodeon were really the two things I always wanted to do. What Nickelodeon shows? Can you give me like, let me tell you. Yeah. So, um, Doug was huge. Sure. Absolutely loved Doug. Same. I remember vividly Doug was always on at the time that my dad would pick me up for school. hmm, I'm not sure. This like, I'm trying to remember like, when did my dad pick me up for school? It doesn't matter. But, um, it was on pretty early in the morning on, on some days. So I watched a lot of Doug, um, the wild thornberries. Yeah. I didn't love it, but it was always on. Yeah. Hey Arnold was huge for yeah. me. Loved Hey Arnold. Uh, later on, obviously, Spongebob was enormous. The Spongebob thing is weird because I know you missed all of this, but... I watched, I watched a little bit of Spongebob. Okay. But not much. Not as much. I you can name you the can't, three like, characters. recite. You don't quote it on a regular basis. No. Yeah. <laughs> like I do. I no. can't... Like, Spongebob lives in my brain in a way that I can't right. dislodge. But right. um, And now Spongebob is, like, a meme. Like, it's, yeah. like, back in... I don't know. It's in vogue. But anyway... Uh, I would say those were the big ones, but um... I want to I want to know a few things. Okay. I want to know first, and if you haven't heard my broken bone story, you can hear about it in episode one. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's great. Have you ever broken a bone? I have. I've broken two. And it was this is grade school, so this is on the trajectory that we're on here. Yes. Yeah, we're going mostly chronological. Um, so I broke my right arm, and I also broke my left wrist. But I'm only going to talk about my right arm. Okay. Um, I broke my right arm in the first grade. And the way that it occurred was I was at that wraparound program I mentioned. Like, the YMCA had, like, an after and before school program. And that was where I hung out until my working parents were able to pick me right, up. Right, right. And uh, so it was after school. And we were always just, like, in the gym or coloring or doing something. So in this instance, we were in the gym. We were playing this very peculiar game called Civil War. And the way Civil War works, I'm sorry to tell you, is that half of the kids like stand on one side of the gym, like in a line. And then I would actually maybe like two thirds of the kids. And then the other third stand in the middle. And you, all the kids on the one end of the gym have to run across the gym, like in a line and try to avoid getting tagged by anybody who's in the middle. Gotcha. If you get tagged by somebody in the middle, you have to sit down on the ground and on their way back, the, you know, runners have to try to save you. So they'll reach out their hand to you and you can only get saved by holding onto their hand and running back and touching the wall. Wow. And so long as your hand is touching the wall, you cannot be tagged by the people in the middle. Now, I assume that the words civil, like the words civil war there are like meant to approximate like 
slaves being freed from slavery. Right. I don't understand how else civil war applies conceptually. Um, am I looking into this too much? Am no, I no, no. Too much no, 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 I'm with you. I just can't believe it was called that. Anyway. Yeah, not great. No, it's not great, but whatever. Uh, suffice to say, I was in the first grade. I can't have been more than six years old. And um, so I was running for my life. You know, I could not lose this game. And um, so I was running. And, you know, it was one of those gyms that have, like, the sort of, like, you know, like, they were, like, cushions on the yeah. wall. They were just these, yeah. like, weird blue pads. I don't know how to mm-hmm. describe this any better. Uh, and I remember running to the wall and trying to, like, escape somebody who was chasing me. And I remember looking over my right shoulder, trying to see if they were, like, right behind me. And while I was looking over my shoulder, I collided with the wall. Like, I ran full speed into the wall. Wall collided with the wall. Yes. Sorry. That's okay. I've heard it many times. <laughs> but in colliding with the wall, I broke my arm. Um, and it's actually sort of similar to your story that, like, I, I remember looking up and seeing, like just a horde of children standing over me absolutely disgusted because my arm basically went from looking like a straight line to looking like a sine curve like there was a big like something was wrong um and i remember just being very chill i just remember being like "Hmm, this seems bad but like whatever right um the woman who ran the program called an ambulance called my parents uh an ambulance came they strapped me in they took me for a ride I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing this like gingham dress, this black and white dress with a little Winnie the Pooh decal on mm-hmm. it. It was my absolute favorite outfit. This was a Friday, I need to tell you. So wow. was a, I mean, you know, it's a big deal. Specific, yeah. Um, anyway, I just remember the uh, ambulance arriving at the hospital and my parents were there. And my mom was wearing, um, she had this like brown trench coat that was like this kind of like brushed, like sort of silky material. It was very 90s. Mm-hmm. She looked great. It was just a wonderful trench coat. Anyway. Um, and yeah, they reset my bone. Um, I remember being very dizzy. Yeah. And then the best thing that happened is that my mom and me drove home and we had pizza. And I would say it was 10 p.m. And that was probably the latest I had stayed up as a child. And it was like, I was having a blast. And I had a hot pink cast. I mean, I was like, I was having fun. (laughs) It's so funny you bring up food because I didn't mention this in my broken collarbone story, but I remember driving back from Chilton Memorial Hospital Mm -hmm. and I got Burger King. I remember getting a bacon double cheeseburger and fries. (laughs) And that is so, that's such a good example of like what you remember as a child. Yeah, what's important to you. And like the despair that something brought you, but then like what that moment of joy was like when you got to have Burger King or a hot pizza after breaking a bone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And for the record, I don't remember any pain, despair, discomfort. I was just like vibing. You yeah. Know? I was like, great. Yeah. I'm having pizza. <laughs> right. So family life. Yeah. And you having divorced parents mm-hmm. as a child. How was that for you? What was that like? Yeah. Uh, so as a child, I think I handled it really well. I think I yeah. was pretty happy. I felt like I had two parents who loved Mm -hmm. me very much um i felt you know i felt cared for i felt loved i think i knew that other kids had their parents in the same place um and i think i felt that sort of like oh i I don't not a part of that club or anything but um i don't know yeah it felt um it was my normal you know right it wasn't that weird to me um and at that time something like 50% 50% of marriages ended in divorce. So right. I certainly wasn't the only kid I knew who had divorced sure. parents. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, my parents were different, obviously, Mm -hmm. hence the divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never, I never really wished that they had stayed together. I think even as a kid, I felt like I, you know, I didn't understand in like an adult way, but I think I, I got it and I never felt like it was like, I never felt like there was divorce was a mistake. Right. Um, the Parent Trap was like a hugely influential movie for me growing up, and in that movie, the conceit is that like the parents are divorced and they shouldn't have been. Right. I didn't feel that way. Right. Um, I didn't like watch that movie and like be like, oh, I wish I could like you know trick my parents into getting back mm-hmm. together. But I did feel a sadness of having them in different places. Like I yeah. did wish that they. I I remember wishing I could like call for my parents and have them both be there. Right. But I I understand their divorce and I understand. Um, I think it was for the best, for sure. And in a way, not a terrible situation to at least have one of them 10 minutes away at all times. No. I mean, they were both so devoted. The other one, 10 minutes away. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were both very devoted parents. Yeah. Like, neither one was trying to, like, get out of being my parent. Right. Um, which is kind of, like, a privilege in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate that, like, my dad lived... Well, my mom was the custodial parent, according to the, you know, divorce agreement. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But... Um, but, you know, my dad was always nearby. And, right. yeah, I never got the feeling that, like, one of them was, like, more apparent than the other. Um, Just had to cross the canal to see. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my dad got remarried, and I have a stepmom and two uh, half-sisters. But and, like, I can't... sisters. Yeah, but they're my sisters, yeah. and I can't imagine life without them, you know? So, yeah. um, but obviously, growing up, it was very, like, weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, um, yeah. Like, I grew up with... My mom and my dad mm-hmm. and then my dad got remarried and I was like okay cool and I loved Jill um, but then she moved in and I was like oh so she's gonna be here like all the time right right <laughs> so, and there were definitely years of like we did not get along mm-hmm. super great and I think like a lot of you know adolescent pre-adolescent kids I was probably not as pleasant as I could have been um, and it was in that time period that um, they had my two sisters uh, and I loved having sisters. I was very excited. Um, it was hard to relate to them when they right. were babies. The age difference being... <laughs> yeah, I was 10 when yeah. Bella was born and 12 right. when Gracie was born. Right. Um, but as the years have gone on, that age difference has gotten a lot smaller. So, you know, it, a lot. The age difference is the same. But, like, the experiences are a little For more sure. similar. So yeah. now that they're in high school... Like, you're both watching... You're, the three of you are watching TikTok now. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. And I'm, like, just so grateful for them yeah but um but yeah and we had a really like my extended family is almost entirely in the rochester area as well which is rare i would say i think so yeah Yeah. um so that was also maybe not rare to upstate new york Mm -hmm. that's probably common but i would say largely um... yeah maybe but I, i guess i'm just saying that like i had a really rich family life in the sense that i was always always with somebody in my family maybe it was um my cousins emma and meredith and my aunt uh, Maureen and Uncle Jeff or with my dad's parents my grandparents I was with them a lot um, so uh, aunts and uncles on my dad's side cousins on my dad's side yeah I just had like a lot of family around and that was pretty nice yeah particularly being the child of divorced parents it, it yeah could... there's a world in which being having divorced parents could have felt really like isolating mm-hmm. and I think there are ways that it, it was that um, but I don't think there's anything you can do about that like no. being the only child of divorce is just hard right um, but that said, I was supported by a really kind of enormous and loving family on all sides. So let's pivot to a very important person that you meet at one point. Okay. 
Shannon. <laughs> You're talking about Shannon. Yes. So I think to, to preface Shannon, we need to talk about like my trajectory. To, to Shannon? To... <laughs> <laughs> the the destiny of meeting Shannon? No. Um, so, so Shannon is one of my closest friends and we met in the seventh grade, I'm pretty sure. But the preface to that is that, um, so I went to like elementary school was grades one through five. Okay. And then I went to middle school grades six through eight. And elementary school was very like, it was just a good time for me. I was mm-hmm. just like, I was very social. I had like a lot of friends. I wasn't like super duper close with any of them, but I just like, I remember what I liked about that time period was going to school and like talking to the kid who sat next to me, you know, and like right. going to the playground. Like I was just kind of like yakking it up, like making friends, making jokes, trying to get people to laugh at my jokes, that kind of thing. Um, and then in the sixth grade, when I went to middle school, um, it was a different, there were three elementary schools and two middle schools. What that meant is that you would probably end up in a middle school with people you didn't know right. and you would lose people. Um, from... A very foreign concept to me. Yes, because yeah. you are, okay, K-3. so your graduating class was how many? Well, eighth grade? No, I mean like oh, two, how many people? 240 right. students. Yeah. I graduated with over 600 students. Right. So it was just a huge district and I in retrospect I'm like that district is like they've just had to do so much to try to fit right. all those students right. in right but yeah so um, yeah you you did K through 8 I did something totally different so in the 5th grade there was this big like rupture where right. I lost a lot of friends that I had and I would not see them again until the ninth grade um, because there were three elementary schools two middle schools and one school that was just for the ninth grade wow because the high school got too overcrowded too and they big. had to move right. just one grade. Anyway, it was very, very weird. Um, so I got to middle school and I had truly no friends, like actually zero. Um, and it was a really like sad time for me as a kid. Like I just remember feeling kind of like, oh wow, I have no friends. Yeah. Um, and I didn't care about school that much either. Like I'd just been kind of skating by. I mean, what are we doing in grades one through five? We're just, you know, we're learning, but yeah. we're not, you know. It's spelling just, tests? Yeah, spelling, vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah, I learned how to spell. You know, yeah. I got, got all that down. Um, and in the sixth grade, I remember I had this math teacher, Mr. Costanza, who um, he he was the first teacher who ever, like, I'll just say called me on my bullshit. Um so in years previous, uh, if I had forgotten to do my homework, which was something that I did kind of a lot, um, the teacher would, I remember in the fourth grade, Mr. Jackson would give me like this sheet that I had to take home to my parents to sign to say that I had, hadn't handed in my homework. And he would give me this and I would cry uh-huh. and then he would not make me do it. Wow. Um, so I had that in my back pocket of like, I can cry my way out of this. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget Mr. Costanza giving me one of those sheets to like take this home to your parents so they know that you're not handing in your homework. And I cried. And nothing happened. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> uh, and he even called my mom's house. Um, and yeah, so she was like, your math teacher called me. We had a long talk. And having no friends in a way in the sixth grade kind of turned me into like the academic that I ended up yeah. becoming because yeah. I was like, oh, I guess I could. Like the second I started to try at school, I was good at it. Yeah. So I was like, oh. Um, and also like growing up, I was really focused on like approval and like, getting people to like me so right. when I was like oh what my parents really want is for me to be good at school right um so then I focused pretty much all of my energy into being good at school mm-hmm. um as a result I had very few friends until the seventh and eighth grades and that was when I met Shannon and John Nicosia and 
a handful of other people, Amanda Van Sickle, another good friend. Um, but yeah, I do think that like, I kind of needed to be like, I don't know. I needed to be brought down to earth and like be informed about like what, what it meant, like why I was in school to start with. Right. Um, yeah. And then meeting Shannon was really like, that was it. Yeah. 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 We were very quick friends and like very like explosive friends. Like mm-hmm. we were very disruptive together. That was kind of our thing. Um, still are. Yeah. <laughs> My opinion. Yeah. Um, and like this came through most clearly in our eighth grade English class with Mrs. Bigenwald, who was wonderful. Uh, but in Mrs. Bigenwald's class, we would just routinely just get in trouble for stuff. Like we, one time we were laughing too much and Mrs. Bigenwald said we had to stand outside of the classroom until we could compose ourselves. Like we wow. could not come back inside until we had composed ourselves. <laughs> she was incredible. I'm saying you. Oh man. I know. Um, and one time, John was kind of in on it too. Like one time John threw the synonym finder at my head. Um, do you ever use a synonym finder? On the internet. We were kind of obsessed with it in eighth grade. Again, I, I was really good at school and I had no friends. Right. So I found friends yeah. that were good at school. Yeah. But um, yeah, in Mrs. Bignall's class, there was the synonym finder. It was so cool. If you were like trying to use a word and you wanted to use like a better word, you'd open up the synonym finder. Wow, okay. Yeah. Anyways, one time John threw it at my head. We got sent into the classroom for that one too. Yeah. Um, yes. So let, I was going to say, let's transition to Fairport High. Fairport High. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fairport High School is like a cartoon version of like a TV high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was very... Like, unbelievably high in school spirit and, like, identity, membership. A good school. Very good school. A good high school, yeah. Very, like, yeah, just enthusiastic. Yeah. Happy. Um, like, the administration really worked hard on, like, telling us that we belonged and stuff Right, like that, right. Which was very sweet. Who um, are you in high school? I would say my identity pretty solidly fell in, like, a theater kid slash orchestra kid yeah, category yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of variety in those categories but um, yeah I think I did all of the all the musical productions in high school and I was in orchestra the whole time and orchestra and band both met first period so like every day for three years the first thing that happened to me was I played orchestra so did you feel isolated as a theater kid no. Okay. I mean, theater kids have a wonderful community. They do, but I mean, I mean. Oh, to the rest of the school. Correct. Fairport was so big that everybody had a thing. There were so many theater kids, you know. Um, right. And then there were so many football kids, and then there were so many, um, like super, super, super smart kids, and so many stoner kids, and just everybody had. It seemed like everybody lived in like an ecosystem, you know. Okay. Um. So I never felt. Like, I think I had a sense of where I was in the stratification system, but it didn't it didn't feel lonely or anything. Yeah, just, okay. That was where I was, yeah. So you were, you were on the kind of, like, not kind of, very, like, smart theater. Yeah, I took, like, honors classes. I took uh, two AP classes. No, way more. I took four, I think. Yeah. Um, but there was also something called IB, or International Baccalaureate, in my school. I know. Lakeland did not have that. <laughs> Um, and like I wasn't an IB kid like I wasn't taking like those classes so I would say I was smart and I took honors classes and stuff and I was in music and theater um, oh and I took journalism all three years and I was the um, head editor of the newspaper so what was the newspaper called? The Lampian 
The Lampian. Yes. Ours was called the Lancer Ledger. Oh, cool. Sean Sullivan, head editor. All right. No big deal. See. Only the first Sean Sullivan name (laughs) drop. Only one reference this time. Um, So, yeah. So, I was also... This was true in college as well. I just was widely involved. I did a lot of different things. Um, I loved to be busy. AOL Instant Messenger. High school time period. Yes. You you, um, did a nice teaser of your screen names last time saying that they were god awful it's really bad i don't even want to talk about it oh you don't i will but i don't want to okay so i mentioned a friend amanda earlier yes um and she and i were friends in the neopet time period neopets time period how is that in relation with tamagotchi because like this is where our age kind of our age difference kind of it's okay. only three years yeah but like neopets sounds familiar but i don't remember exactly i think it's our ages but also our activity okay you were outside this yeah. is a computer activity. okay um, oh okay neopets was a website where you had uh virtual pets they were fictional creatures um and you would name them and you would feed them and you'd play games so you could win neo points so you could buy food for them i feel like they ate like milkshakes or something like they like there was like i don't know whatever um they would eat little pieces of like cake or like little cheeses i don't know uh it was very like built on like fantasy and um silly stuff but it was like a great place to play like flash games okay um that was primarily what i used it for and then i remember that i had two mirkas that needed to be fed you know yeah milkshakes milkshakes yeah um so yeah so anyways when we started playing neopets my friend amanda was making me an account and you had to create a username and she created a username for me, and the one that she created for me was BeautyBrain256. Oh, no. <laughs> and she was very sweet, and she was like, it's because you're pretty and you're smart. And I was like, that's so nice. Wow. Okay. And so it was my Neopets screen name, and when it was time to make an AOL Instant Messenger screen name, I just thought I'll use my Neopets screen name, not knowing how socially important your AOL screen name is. I mean, and then yeah. I was Beauty Brain Two Five Six for years and years and years, and I still had friends somehow. Yeah, so that's and you're making Holy Cannoli Four Two Eight Six. I sound like the cool students. Yeah, you had like a comparatively good yeah. username. Mine was, oh God. I mean, I cringe just thinking that a friend would say like, "Hey, what's your screen name?" And I, that's what I said. Away messages. Oh Anything boy. Anything comes to mind? Um. Yes. So I spent um almost all of my energy. From the ages of 15 to 17, trying to figure out how to format my um, profile in an appealing manner. Yeah. Um, There was like a link you could put in your profile. It was like a, like a tiny link, like a tiny URL where you could like take a survey or like write. It it was like an extended profile where you could like answer like really intense questions. Yeah, this rings a bell. Yeah. So obviously I did that. Um, And I would say I changed my... So I would say I focus more on the profile than the away message. Okay. The away message was almost always just like away or um, wow, okay. something like that or something like really basic. Whereas I would like change the profile like all the time. I would change the font. I would change the formatting. Um, I would figure out how to make like a gradient with the color of the text mm-hmm. so that it was like really pretty. I would look up those little symbols and try to like stick those around. Um, and so I tried to get the profile to mirror whatever was happening with my crush at the time obviously um so sometimes it would be like um i really liked aqualung in high school which is not a band that anybody ever talks about but it was just like a singer songwriter piano driven stuff so we had aqualung lyrics in there for a long time from a song called brighter than sunshine 
a lot of Death Cab for Cutie. After Plans came out, it was like pretty much only lyrics from like uh, Soul Meets Body. Oh yeah. If I had a crush on somebody who had brown eyes, I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. brown eyes, you're all I Old see. Old yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Um, I don't think I ever got, you know, some people's profiles were very like Fairport 2013 or oh, 2009 or, yeah. uh, you know, like Lax or like something like that. I didn't do any of that yeah. because I wasn't in those things. Right. So mine you were didn't... mostly just like music lyrics. Okay. Always music lyrics. So this is a good transition to, I would ask you if you had a high school crush the way you asked me and I answered. But you had multiple. <laughs> I had lots. Which I is like just... common. Yeah, I think so. I didn't have just one. Um, yeah, and I feel like my crushes fell into tiers. Like, there was the tier of, like, um, normal, like, appropriate crushes. Yeah. And then there was, like, utterly insane, not a good idea to have a crush on this person crushes. Right. And then there was, like, the never happening in a million years crushes. Right. Like, you don't even know this person crushes. Oh, okay. Uh, we don't have to go through all of them, but um, let's see. So... I can't believe I'm going to talk about this. Um, so I had crushes on my high school boyfriends, which um, those, I had two boyfriends in high school. I'm pretty sure. I really hope I haven't forgotten anyone. That would be so embarrassing. Um, Chris Rao and John Nicosia. So I had crushes on them because they were, I was dating them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would kind of be like, it would like sort of alternate, I guess. Like, okay. and they were both in band. So that was really like. It was, it was very Shakespearean, really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I had big crushes on them kind of all the time. Um, I had a huge crush, and this will surprise literally no one who knew me in high school, huge crush on Ross Peterson that was so, like, depressing because, honestly, he was low-key mean to me. <laughs> like, he was not – we were friends. Like, we were good friends. Like, yeah. we hung out a lot. Um, and uh, he was, like, you know, for a high schooler, kind of a ladies' man. Like, he was always dating somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was always just, like, listening to him talk about his girlfriend and being like, hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so in retrospect, that was kind of a sad situation because it was, like, I, you know, lots of uh, people change. You know, like, high school yeah. was a weird time. Yeah. But, like, in retrospect, I'm like, that was not a person who was treating you nicely and you should not have been holding them on a pedestal, you know? Right. And then, embarrassingly, I also had a huge crush on one of my closest friend's older brother's. So this really close friend, Laura, and she had this older brother, John, and he played the cello too. So we were in the same orchestra section. And, uh, you know, he could play like some Dave Matthews band songs on the cello. Wow. That was very appealing at the time. Ants marching? Uh, probably. No, 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 no. It was, it was something different. Maybe it was Jack Johnson, actually. Oh, wow. I know. Anyway, um, that was really like, again, in retrospect, like stupid because <laughs> Laura and I were really close and it was kind of like put her in a really awkward situation. Yeah. But he was also, like, he was kind of trouble. Like, he, like, clearly enjoyed the fact that I had a crush on him and would, like, sort of, I don't know. But, like, no offense if he played the cello. Like, how much trouble <laughs> is a high school You'd cellist? be surprised. How dare you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so anyways. Um, and then there was, like, Tom Kemper, who I never even had a conversation with, but I was convinced was my soulmate, you know? Yeah. I, this is one of the few places where I'll invoke my sun sign. I'm a Libra. And, like, we just, we have crushes. It's sure. just kind of part of who we are. Um, I'm not going to apologize for any of it. Um, There's a great... Something that we actually haven't talked about like in any show notes prior to talk, to doing this podcast is like how funny it was when you and I went to the Pittsburgh Starbucks <laughs> like two years ago. Uh, 
and we're just you were getting like you know coffee or something and maybe i got one too and you turn around you're like oh my god oh my god and you're like and i don't remember his name his name is anil and you're like i went to junior we no we went to senior ball you went together to, so you went to prom together yeah yeah so we had a junior prom senior ball okay yeah and i went to senior ball with anil it was just so funny just because like <sighs> yeah. there's like the small town experience right there in front of you where like mm-hmm. you're back home he presumably lives there because it looked like he was in like a business meeting of some kind i wonder if maybe he was in business school in okay the area. i'm not sure though. okay yeah and um yeah it was just a just a funny like just one of those great like you you come back to your your town experiences and you see someone you're like oh my goodness like you yeah, the grocery we store together. or something yeah. yeah and i had two very tragic like both prom and ball were both kind of like romantic misdeeds because mm-hmm. i went to junior prom with john who i had dated yeah but we still went to prom together even though we had broken up a couple months previous okay so the entire prom was spent with us like pretending to get along but actually being really mad at each other right but also being kind of sad because we didn't really want to be broken up it was yeah. just like a really sad like all the photos are of us looking exquisitely uncomfortable Right. And apparently my mom cried. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is so funny because, like... Sorry, Mom. <laughs> we were at John's wedding... Yes, we were. Five oh, months ago. We were just wedding. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful. Um, Which it's is, like, it's cool to, like, you, you, keep, you yeah. keep in touch with, like... It was... I was teased for this a little bit for always being friends with my ex-boyfriends. Um, but I genuinely liked them. Yeah. Like, I thought they were cool people. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm a Libra and I can never let it go. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to, like, actually have friendships with right. some of those people. So, mm-hmm. to wrap up the Chelsea Wall when you were young experience, okay, would you do high school over again? No, absolutely not. Why? I just feel like high school was such a cloistered experience. Like, it was so... I was in the town I'd been in my whole life, and I was... Um, you know, uh, my life was still very much in on the terms of my parents' divorce, you know? Like, I was going still going from my mom's house to my dad's house and like i was at an age where i was just i was just tired of it yeah like i just wanted to have my own life and honestly it wasn't until college that i even started to imagine what my own life could look like because my life was so much about like you know being in the right place with the right people at the right time or yeah being kind of agreeable like going along with sort of whatever other people needed so i just felt like i didn't really have like my personality didn't really blossom my, my sense of self did not really come through until the college time period so i i don't i would never go back to high school because i didn't feel like i was i didn't feel like i had the space yeah to be myself do you have a favorite memory from um your... i have sort of like a favorite time period that comes in the form of a few different memories okay. um and it's very end of high school um with a group of friends that I got close with. Um, so this includes Shannon and John, uh, and hang on, let me try to do it all. Kristen, Melanie, Anna, Shannon, I already said her, Sarah, Christina, Kevin, Jake, Trevor, Kyle, and oh no, this is how it always went. We would send a group text, we'd always forget somebody. Oh, I'm the 12th, never mind, this one, I got them all. Anyway, um, we all kind of like uh, weirdly banded together right at the end of senior year and like formed a like very deliberately formed a friendship group um and we called ourselves the oppressive friend group because we were always like insulting each other and like being really rude and toxic but like that was like the basis of our friendship mm-hmm. anyway um but like the end of high school summer before college time period with them was really idyllic because it was like 
we would all like go to a state park or something or we'd like go to the rec center and like hang out in the lazy river or we'd go to like somebody's house and like jump on the trampoline and eat ice cream bars or we'd play mario kart until 4 a.m you know yeah. like it was just like a that was the time in my life where i felt like i was young i don't know you spend so much of your life feeling like you're too young and then there's this whole period of time in which you're like i'm getting old you know right. uh, that we are now entering slash firmly in and that was a time period of my life where i'm like i'm young i'm like experiencing life right now and it was like with those friends that I felt like I had the ability to do that um, because everything else was so much about being like a good child being like well behaved so that is probably my most my most fond memories are just like you know going out to lunch with them or um, driving to Chimney Bluff State Park yeah like that was the only time period where I sort of like pressed the rules just a little bit in order to like be a teenager sure and yeah that felt really good lastly if you could tell your younger self one thing what would it be i would tell her um your thoughts and your feelings matter because they're your thoughts and they're your feelings so i I, like i said i really think i grew up with the belief that like i had to do what was best for other people best for the adults in my life you know like i had to be kind of um go with the flow like just deal with whatever came and as a result I kind of if I was upset about something or something made me mad I would like press it down and I would be like oh no like the right thing to do right now is to be like you know is to smile and just like be quiet you know Um, and as a result I think I just I pushed down a lot of my own like authentic beliefs and opinions and um, I've spent a lot of time trying to rebuild that and Mm -hmm. trying to like actually learn like what is my inner voice like what do I really care about what's really important to me um so I would say that to myself I would try to encourage myself to be more vocal about how I feel oh,